Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of Family and Children's Discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. All right, Tony, it is good to be back uh, virtually with you. It's, it's always virtual. I, we did get to see each other, I don't know, about a year ago. I wish we could have recorded, and that would have been fun, but uh, back at it. So how have you been? I've been doing all right, all things considered. You know, it is funny. I've had tons of virtual meetings, like 87,000 of them, I feel like. Actually, I calculated it the other day, and it's been at least 12 a week uh, virtual meetings. And so, you know, this uh, it doesn't feel that different because I've had, we've done this podcast virtually for so many years now. Yeah, I guess that does make a difference. When it, it, it doesn't, it feels a little more normal uh, because before you were about the only person I, I did video chatting with. So, um, and I, I don't have an iPhone, which a lot of people do FaceTime. Um, yeah, it is what what it is. Um, so how have, you know, I know the restrictions in my state have been lifted um, in a lot of ways. Now it's not, everything hasn't back, gone back to normal. Um, but in Maryland there, you guys still quarantined and locked down in the house? Yeah, Maryland is an odd case state. So Maryland has not canceled school for the rest of the year. Uh, we're recording this on April 30th, and as of now, could change by this afternoon. Uh, we have school canceled through mid-May, uh, but it's widely believed it will be canceled for the year. And uh, we are on quarantine with an indefinite uh, that with an indefinite stay-at-home order. So it's there's never been. I think only four other three other states have not had a date attached. So we've never had a date attached at all. So. Okay, so all the kids in Maryland today are fasting and praying. Some saying Hail Marys and things about the ending stoppage of school. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so yeah, you, you're in a little different situation. Um, so like in my church, we've had conversations about um, when to reopen, how to reopen. You know these kinds of things. Um, we're certainly not like right on the cusp of doing it, but I mean I've heard of a, a church. Uh, just down the road here that's uh, planning on May the 17th reopening. Um, and so there are folks that are going to be getting back together. They're going to be facing less isolation and that kind of thing. But uh, that's what we want to talk about today, about this whole shelter in place and the isolation that it's brought um, and technology, which we're using to have this conversation and which we always do, um, and our relationships and just what it's doing now, but also going forward. So uh, maybe a little different than we normally do, but um, how has the quarantine been for you and your family? You know, I would say better than most, uh, and it's easy to say that, you know. Uh, I think often the, the token reformed answer to how are you doing today is better than I deserve. Uh, but realistically, I know Favorite. a lot of people that have having a really hard time with this. Uh, but, you know, my job has not as much as a lot of ministry is in person, I've been able to digitize a lot of things. And, you know, even having a cloud drive has been really helpful to be able to access my files from my computer at home, which I have three screens at home, which is really nice for working uh, from home. But, uh, I mean, the kids are really ready to see their friends. But, you know, I think that they've been handling things all right, all things considered. 
Um, the one thing that has been impacting me more that's kind of coming to grips with now is we always take a vacation at the end of May. We usually uh, fly out to see my parents, and uh, Illinois State Home Order is through the end of May at least, and uh, that has kind of put the kibosh on that. And, you know, it's been a while since we've had a vacation, and it's going to be weird probably having a vacation where just sitting at home twiddling your thumbs, maybe reading a presidential biography. You get your kids to go to bed early by, by that. You just read it to them and they all go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I'm listening yeah. to one about Martin Van Buren, and I think that would do the trick. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I uh, we had some bedtime troubles recently with a, the youngest child. And so I was reading this book about Thomas Cromwell, who was like uh, Henry VIII's right-hand man. It was interesting, but uh, you know, it may have done the trick for him. Maybe I should have pulled that out. Um yeah, for us, it's been, I guess, up and down. Um, the whole isolation part of it has been difficult. Um, you know, I think a week or two ago, we were going to Chick-fil-A to go through the drive-thru, um, pick up something, and my kids were all like, can we go? And it was just like, we're going in a car ride. This is awesome. Uh, and so, you know, just excitement about these kind of mundane things. Um, By the way, Chick-fil-A sponsorship would be appreciated. Yeah, yeah, you know, anybody in the Kathy family who might be listening. <laughs> um, so, and some ch- free chicken, you know, we can, we happy to, to promote you. Um, so, Tony, do you have more introverts or extroverts in your family? And, and how has that affect the lockdown, you think, for you? That's, you know, I think that's a great question, actually, even related to like in our ministry, we've had to kind of navigate some people are in different states with that. So, I would say, you know, I think most people think I'm an extrovert. Uh, I think I would say uh, more often than not that I kind of play the extrovert, uh, like I play one on TV. And when I get a little a little comfortable with people, I can uh, be pretty extroverted. But if I'm honest, it's not hard for me to be by myself for an extended period of time and and just chill with my family. I like my family, you know. And mm. uh, the uh, if anything, I'm Zoom exhausted, you know. So this more introverted nature than I let on is just I am. I, I Zoom is great for purposes, but like I've said before, I'm on like twelve to fifteen Zoom calls a week, and I that is actually probably out extroverting me. Uh, and our kids are more extroverted than us, my wife and I, uh, but, uh, and especially my son, I think my son is extremely extroverted, uh, really enjoys his friends at school and everything. Uh, and so I think they're very much ready for their friends, uh, seeing them and, uh, getting back to school whenever that's possible, even if it's like 35 years from now. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> yeah, my wife and I have joked about when kids go back to school, like, you know, the class picture, everybody's got a mask on, <laughs> you don't know who's who. Now, you guys um, always come across as like giddy extroverts like that, you know, uh, just out in the town all the time, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, my, my wife and I are both uh, more introverted, and it doesn't mean that we don't like people, it just means that we kind of recharge by having some time alone, um, and so that's the thing for us, like there's not really that time. It's just, you know, uh, we're all together. And so we have, we have a pretty small neighborhood. There's one way in and one way out and a bunch of cul-de-sacs. And so I don't know how many miles I've walked in the neighborhood. And sometimes it was pushing a small child in the stroller who just needed to kind of chill out and then also let me chill out too. <laughs> um, 
and, you know, and I've offered that to my wife too. Like, hey, after dinner, you need to walk some time by yourself. Uh, and she's do that to call her family that her family lives pretty far away. And so, you know, some of at least one of our children is more introverted. One, I'm, I don't know. I think there's some extroverted tendencies there, but um, I think that that has just made it unique because for extroverted people, they want, uh, you know, that time. Um, and so the thing is, their pool of, of people is much smaller. And then, um, you know, for those of us who are introverted, they can just like, oh, I just need a few minutes of quiet, especially if you got small kids. Quiet is sort of a thing that doesn't happen until all eyes are closed and that their heart rates have, have dropped for the night. Um, so that that has been uh, just one of the interesting parts of it, maybe challenging at times. Um, so have you guys done things to make it feel more normal or did you just feel just this is weird and we're just going to go with it? We kind of have just decided, like, we're going to treat this like the apocalypse. So, you know, we're, like, eating, like, uh, like rats that we've caught over, like, a uh, open fire and stuff like that. No. <laughs> that Get the kids good. to work. <laughs> yeah, in a dilapidated house. No, we're not doing that. So, um, the I'd say mostly we have embraced the abnormality of it. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like it's hard to kind of sh- kind of hide or, or make it feel more normal in most cases. Uh, we're trying to set some routine and keep relatively normal hours, but I don't know that that's us being intentional in that. I think that's just how we are. You know, we're con- both control freaks at times, and so. Uh, but I think it has been helpful that you know we we still have our ta- regular times of family worship. Uh, you know, we um, that one thing we've added that kind of has been an exciting quarantine time is there actually another plug the cincinnati zoo in ohio has been putting these youtube videos up of like um i think it's like youtube safari where they basically like do a guided tour of of different animal stuff in it and so we've been doing a lot of that How okay you guys? i think i've heard of, of a lot of different services that were doing that and i think i i did hear specifically about the cincinnati zoo you gotta be careful though they might start shooting the gorillas so um, <laughs> well, fortunately, um, I don't think anybody could virtually go into the grill. <laughs> um, yeah, so we've, in a lot of ways, our, our routine has kind of stayed the same. Again, had, just having young kids, just it, it helps. Um, though I'm working from home, but I've tried to keep my working hours about the same and uh, just do kind of the things that we would normally do. And, and we were. We actually worked not to just always be going and doing something and have to, you know, have fifteen extracurricular activities. Um, and but though now it's not even an option. Um, so for us, like a ton didn't change, but there certainly were changes. Um, and then there are parts about that where it's abnormal and just you had to had to go with it. So do you think this time of isolation that we're all having to face or most people are having to face at least in some measure um is sort of a taste of where our love for technology could lead us i think that's an interesting question that you brought up and uh yeah i i had not even thought about that before you kind of sent that to me so uh i definitely think it can uh it can give you a lot of ways to taste. And actually, it's been interesting because some, you know, I work with a lot of teens. And for some teens, as an example, haven't really been shaken that much by this because they're so used to this extreme digitized relationships that, mm-hmm. you know, this is just, you know, 
it's the same deal, you know. I mean, I'm still playing X. I'm still mainly relating to somebody by Xbox Live, or I'm still primarily doing social media as my way of communicating. Uh, so I think, in some ways, it, it does show like that kind of expression of it. Uh, so I think some churches are, are seemingly leaning into it in some ways, uh, and and I think m- and less than the most helpful way. And I think that there's been an ease of leaning into this because of how comfortable uh, we have become and and where we're heading as a society with technology. I think the fact that I even myself have hardly missed a beat is not a great sign (laughs) for myself Mm. in that question. So, but I think some people are realizing digital community doesn't substitute uh, and seeing, you know, where society is going in that digital sense of community and how that can't be the same, possibly be the same as the kind of physical community that we're missing out on now. That's a good. Yeah, I was, I was interested in how you might view that. And again, I don't know that it's like it's this slippery slope necessarily, but I think it does give us a little bit of a taste of where we could go. And that's you know, you work more with teenagers. I interact some with teenagers, but um, and, and I'm not I'm not a luddite, but I also don't just jump full in on technology and all the digital things social uh, media and things like that. I mean, I use those platforms, but I, I try to really restrict my usage. And I've, I mean, I'm just not like that interested in doing it. And um, I, I'd rather have like, try to just live my life rather than take pictures of everything and video it and, and then tell everybody else, you know, that I did it. Um, and so in some ways I haven't missed a beat. In other ways I have. Um, but, you know, I, I was listening to uh, the briefing, Al Mohler's news review show the other day, and he was he was citing some stuff uh, that Verizon's reported that their phone traffic is way up, like that they're experiencing call volumes uh, every day that's double what Mother's Day is. Wow! And you think people are calling mom like crazy on Mother's Day? Well, every day people are calling. Um, also, telemarketers and call center people, people whose job it is to, to make phone calls, they can't get off the phone. They're having trouble doing their job because people are just wanting to stay on the phone and talk about whatever, talk about their problems. you know. And so um, it, it's just interesting how it is affecting – like some people, they're, they're at home with little kids or with teenagers and they're going crazy and like, ah, they're just ready to get out. you got other people that live alone or they're, they're elderly. And they are just kind of locked in, yeah. and they're ready to get out. Um, I was talking to a guy at our church this week who was saying that you know he's been going to work the whole time, and like half their workforce at his plant has been um, quarantined or whatever else, and so they only have half the workforce they're working. So he's working like a dog, trying to cover other people's work, and um, you know all this kind of stuff. Um, and so it's just it's affecting people in a lot of ways. And, but, you know, he gets home and his kids are like stir crazy and, you know, they want to see people and people are just, they are lonely and, uh, at least some are, and they're facing it in different ways. But with everybody looking at the devices and the, just the virtual lives that it's forcing us to lead, um, I think that it's, I don't know, it's interesting to see where this will go. Um, I saw something too from the New York Times linked to it and it was talking about how our spending has changed and video streaming and gaming has the spending on that has increased significantly since all this started which i mean i'm not surprised um but you know it's not like everybody's sitting around playing board games together or having conversations they're 
watching more stuff or getting more services to like video streaming expenses have gone up like 50% compared to last year. Uh, and gaming is almost like 75%. And so, you know, people are playing Fortnite and and all this other kind of stuff. Um, so what do you, what you say? So I was going to say, well, I thought was even interesting as an example of that was uh, I follow, you know, I don't go to the theater that much, but I find fascinating the economic aspect of box office stuff. And uh, there was a movie that was coming out called Trolls World Tour. I will never see this in my life. Uh, but, my neighbor uh, was telling me about it. Yeah. Anyway, it was projected to be like a box office bomb, uh, like majorly lose money. And then it released digitally uh, because, to, you know, adapt to this. And then it made $100 million just from digital download. And keep in mind, like, you know, that means that people buy it once for their family rather than, you know, uh, a ticket per rugrat in their family. <laughs> and that's crazy. yeah i mean it's just it has changed a lot including our relationships how we interact and um yeah so what do you think some of the outcomes will be when the social and physical distancing kind of come to end come to an end for our families so i think for our family specifically we're going to become uh more inward focused i think often you know just kind of our own little unit I, and uh, maybe there's, you know, not maybe there's some positives in it, which I'll talk about later. I think we'll be less community oriented. I think we will. And I think many people realize that community is uh, that something that they don't need, that they'll come to that conclusion. And they might even be scared of a sense of community. Uh, I think there will be greater levels of distrust of authority. I think especially because everybody is on social media blasting uh, the right or the left <laughs> right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever their governor is doing is the wrong thing. No matter what state you're in, <laughs> it's pretty much the decision of most people. Uh, yeah, they just let me be the governor or the president. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that I think maybe people will have closer family bonds in some cases. And I think that is a very good thing for families that – I think families that have been disjointed, even, I mean, I was talking to somebody I know, uh, loves the Lord, and their family has mentioned that they've had, you know, they've had far more family dinners than they've ever had during this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think some people, um, especially if they have younger kids, but not just that, um, but I think some people will just rush back into all their activities, just you know, have a cabin fever and they're like, I've got to get the kids out of the house. They're, I'm going crazy. Um, Babysitter, no! (laughs) Some people are going to try to cram in everything that they missed and go to all these places. And um, I think some will make some lasting changes. Maybe, I I know my wife has seen some things on social media where people said, oh, this actually has been a, a kind of a breath of fresh air for us because before, you know, we had this practice or two practices on Tuesday night and then we had church on Wednesday and then we had two or three more practices on Wednesday. And I mean, I'm thinking, man, uh, that's not a pace I want to keep um, to no. begin with. But, you know, I think maybe some people will stop and go, hey, maybe we should make some changes to our schedule. And um, because of the time they've had to make those changes, what do you think it will, uh, the effect will be for churches, just kind of generally speaking? That's a good question. So in regards to churches, I think there could be a lot, uh, and I think most of them are not generally good ones. I, I think what one thing that could happen is a, a weekend ecclesiology, even more so than I think ecclesiology, which is the doctrine of the local church, 
has been neglected to a significant extent in the past yeah. several you know several decades. Uh, you know, I think an example of that actually is the fact that there's like I know that there's a blog article that's kind of going around online about what your church should do, how to adapt long term in this, and it's like jumping past anything questions of what is the church and what the church should be and to what the church can be. Uh, and, uh, and I think that that's really dangerous. And to me, I feel like there's, um, I mean, this is kind of repeating some of the errors that uh, the seeker church, I think, fell, uh, the attractional church fell into in the 80s uh, in a whole new, maybe even worse way. Uh, I think, for example, uh, it's there. Uh, many people are excited because a lot of church uh, churches are doing their online church services, quote unquote, uh, and they're getting big numbers. Uh, and so I know of, I literally know of some churches that are planning to transition to being like a 50-50 online church, long-term 50% in person. But like if you study any sense of biblical understanding of the church, I mean, online church just isn't church. It's great to have worship services for people, but you know, that is not ecclesia. That is not uh, the gathering of the body of saints. So uh, I think mm -hmm. it could result in the, the devaluing of the intimacy in the body. So, you know, the Bible actually talks about greeting one another with a heavenly kiss. Uh, and we generally don't do that today, but you know, I think it's good to show a sense of physical affection towards one another. You know, I, I think there's beauty in a hug between brothers and brothers in Christ, you know, uh, even, you know, a handshake and love. And I think a lot of those kinds of expressions uh, will largely go away in the body. Uh, and I think, I think though on the flip side, some will realize what they missed and will value the local church all the more and, and may even come to a more healthy ecclesiology. So I think it could amplify what is good, uh, but also amplifying uh, what is weak in that sense. But I, one thing I think now that I did not think would happen at first is I think there will be an increase of sheep stealing, which is uh, members of a healthy church going to kind of the next big thing and I thought the opposite would happen, but like we followed one of the big, there's one very, very large church in the North Carolina, actually, uh, that's really, uh, that rammed into this hard and really focused hard in the online church. And I know a lot, I know a lot of people in our area in Maryland that are far from North Carolina that have kind of made this big, huge, one of the biggest churches in the nation, their home church, quote unquote. And I could see more and more of that. You know, my home church is this uh, church in Texas when I'm in, you know, when I'm in Alaska or my home church is, you know, this church in, I don't know, South Africa when I live on the moon. Yeah, it is sort of ironic talking about your home, whatever, when, it, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, my house is 300 miles from here. I never go there, but yeah, I, I have some property there. So, like, have, did you follow, Ben, did you see uh, uh, a blog source that I'm sure we both prescribed to was really arguing at first that, you know, this would really kill the attractional church, basically, right? Uh, I didn't see that, but... Yeah, um, it was being widely published. And I actually, this specific church I'm referring to, uh, that it does not teach the gospel in a biblical sense. I mean, their numbers of online attendance is bonkers, absolutely bonkers. Now, I didn't. I guess I was more pessimistic, but um, 
I think that you're right about the, the video streaming. I think a lot of people are going to lean into that uh, and just the, like the online presence for teaching and even calling it participation, which we've we have not done live streaming stuff. Um, we've done some pre-recorded things, put it out there. We tried something one time um, on Easter where you can like try to interact, and it just I. I I had trouble with it because I, I was the one who was supposed to, for one of the, like we streamed it a, a couple of times and I was supposed to like interact with people or try to. Well, the people that were watching when I was on there, like they would not interact at all. Um, and then I just felt like, you know, if you're in the middle of a sermon at, at church and the pastor says something, at least in the traditions that I've been a part of, um, you don't be like, Hey man, what'd you think about that? I really like how he broke that down, (laughs) you know, like it would just be distracting. And so even though, yes, I know it's digital, it's different, but it just seems like taking their attention off where it should be. But it's, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see the developments that take place. So how do you think this is going to affect age graded ministries within the church, children and uh, teenagers, youth, students, whatever we're going to call them these days? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so I think that we, for a while at least, we will have a decent bit less volunteers uh, in a lot of these areas. And I think that will come from, I think some people, especially especially retirement age people, who are so often the backbone of children in youth ministry, really like underappreciated backbone. Praise the Lord for them. I think sometimes, you know, uh, they might, uh, out of their own discernment, choose to wait longer. Uh, and not be able to serve, or you know, or not help in these capacities uh, where they might feel vulnerable. Uh, but also, I think that some people else uh, and a variety of ages will feel will kind of get used to not having to serve because realistically, like with the online quote unquote church, which having worship services you stream like a chapel at a seminary is fantastic for a local church, by the way. Uh, but. Uh, I think when you have that as your experience of church, you're not serving. And I think it's easy to get comfortable with that. Oh, I don't want to go back to serving anymore. I want I want this easy experience with my family. Uh, and I think also parents could be uh, extra cautious before uh, putting kids into programs. Uh, and I think another a more positive one uh, to try to get some positive, and I think this is actually legitimate. I think that some families might realize the value of worshiping together. And I think that even though, again, it's not really church, it's kind of like church training wheels. And I think some families are probably realizing that their kids participating in the sermon and, you know, and singing along with them is not as scary as they thought it was going to be. Those are some good good points. Um, yeah, I think there's certainly going to be some negative things, and and those senior saints who would be normally be a faithful servant who maybe have pre-existing conditions or just naturally not as as strong and things like that. It's very understandable for them to step away. And we've had some in our church, and um, or at least the Sunday, the last Sunday we were open, I had several contact me and say, "Hey, I'm just I'm not going to come this week." And it was a wise decision. We ended up having several people in our church who got very sick. But yeah, I think that you are right that the the part about service, because all this this video stuff, and we've been putting out video things for. Our children's ministry and our student pastor has done a lot more interactive stuff with the students, and it. But it, the whole thing, it kind of can make church into a commodity, 
even more than it was before. Uh, you know, you talked about the seeker stuff from the 80s, and we t- tend to view church as uh, this drive-in where we come and we get the sermon and you know the, these kinds of things. And service is sort of optional, and that's not the biblical picture of it. And so I think this makes it further. Like you don't even have to. It's not just that you don't have to serve. I mean, you can. You don't have to get dressed to do this. Like you can just sit there in your pajamas. And so I think people are going to really appreciate that. And uh, but I do like your point about the possibility of people saying, oh, "Okay, man, I could have my kids with me." Especially if they're taking their faith a little more seriously. If they're just sort of going to church, and then they're going to be ready to get the kids into whatever that's going to be, quote, fun. But I was in a a video call yesterday with some children's and preschool people in Georgia, and they were talking – a couple of people mentioned – they use the term family worship. Now, when you and I use the term family worship, I'm thinking of you know at home – leading my kids and, and reading the Bible, praying, these kinds of things. That's not what they meant. They meant like having the kids together and worshiping as a family once once we get back. Because we're having to have these discussions in Georgia because um, it, it's on the table now that we could open back up. Um, and so it was, you know, a very, I don't know, because I, I don't know, I know very little about most of the churches that were represented on there. But it did seem like this foreign concept almost that the kids would be in the service. Uh, and, you know, our churches both have some sort of thing during this. Your, your church does have uh, something for the kids during the the service, right? At least for very young kids. Uh, yeah, we have it through second grade. So, Okay, but, yes, that's where we set the bar to. Yeah, but some families uh, keep them in at an earlier age. So, Okay, yeah. And so, I mean, we have kids, sometimes kids that could go who don't. Um, and, and they're not, I wouldn't say that they do that every week, but sometimes they just want to stay in there and, that, and I'm very supportive of that. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see how that will take shape, especially for, again, for those parents that are taking their faith seriously, which I mean, if they're listening to our show, I, they probably a little more serious about following Jesus. So what do you hope, cause you've already named some things, but what do you hope will be some more of the outcomes for families and for churches? Anything else that you, you didn't mention earlier? Yeah, I've got a couple. So um, I think it could reveal the hidden spiritual states of individuals uh, so that we can really uh, more accurately deal with people. And, and, you know, and I think that this sounds uh, odd, but there's so much cultural Christianity in America and there's so much, you know, just kind of a easy, easy profession of faith as, as this kind of part of the good God-fearing American life. Uh, and I think that oftentimes those things take the path of least resistance. Uh, and so I could see this. It will be sad that I think that some people in those cases will just take the easier route now of we just watch a sermon on, you know, uh, live stream a sermon when we could easily join the body. But, you know, I think that could make a situation where uh, we have more of a right understanding of regenerate church membership, uh, a church membership of just the say uh, as a very biblical concept. That could become more clear, I think. Uh, I think Do you if, think like there's going to be a rise in Baptist churches? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe so. Uh, I think it could make us more comfortable with very useful tools. So, you know, I think that there, and we'll talk about that some later, uh, but uh, 
we are be able to use some of these. Zoom is not a bad thing. It's exhausting at times. <laughs> Skype is not a bad thing. Phone calls are not a bad thing. Uh, and I think that there's places in which we can use those for the glory of Christ. Uh, and I'm glad that we can, you know. And I'm glad even that churches that had not had the ability to record their sermons, to get them to members that are, say, in nursing homes that can't come out, now can do that, uh, even though it is not church. Uh, but I think it all, lastly, it causes us to really think about the church. At least some people do. Because like when you're going to church online, when you're you know doing these things, you are... It's in some sense, it's you're contrasting it to what it was before, and you're having to take some part of your mind to think about what should church be. And actually, I think it's very interesting because there's a book by Jonathan Lehman that just came out uh, recently about uh, where he kind of makes an argument, uh, a biblical argument that churches should have uh, one one service and that they should not do multi-site and different Christians have different interpretations of that. And some people think like, man, that timing could, couldn't be worse. Cause you know, churches can't meet in one site uh, right now. Uh, but I think it is in some ways, I don't think it's a terrible timing because people are thinking about what church is and what church could be right now. That's true. Yeah. It is ironic that the book has, I have I've seen it. I have not read it. I'm interested in reading it, but People are thinking about it. Now, I think one thing sometimes, and, and you've probably experienced this as well, just more generally, but people say, I, I'm trying to think about what the Lord wants me to do here, and so I'm going to pray. But they don't ever look to the words. So, well, I'm going to ask the Lord to show me what to do. And it's, you know, the spiritual equivalent of licking your finger and putting it up <laughs> to, you know, see where the wind's blowing. Um, and I don't mean to make fun of people who I've done that myself, but, you know, we, we've, lost the connection that the word is the living voice of God. It's not just where God, what he said, it's what he says now every time I open it and read it. So I, I'm concerned that some will, um, they will think about it, but it's like, oh, again, what can it become? Oh, what can we do with this? And how can we do that? Just all these tools are out there available for us. And they're not looking to what God says in his word about how how our lives together and how we should you know assemble and these kinds of things. Um, I think one. I I don't know that. Um, I think that less busyness, or I hope that less busyness, will be an outcome for some families that they will evaluate and go. Wait a minute. Um, I think it could lead to some more act, real flesh and bones relationships happening, just with families and then and within churches. And that for um, some, it will lead to less digital life. Like, I mean, you said make use of the tools, but – and maybe this offends some people, but you just don't need to post everything you do on some social media platform. Um, I, I think some people just need to be told like not everybody cares, you know, <laughs> everything you did. Um, and so it, it's just – yeah, I I think the longer I go, the more cynical I get about social media. And again, I think it's a useful tool, and I continue to use it because so many other people do. But I continue to grow in my dislike of it. Um, and just, I mean, it's it's highly highly linked to depression and anxiety for teenagers, adults, and anyway. So I'm hoping that there will be a some people will just like put the phone down and, you know, like go do like real things, not pr do them digitally. 
but I'm concerned that it will actually lead to even more of it. You need to get off that Twitter. <laughs> I barely touch Twitter anymore. <laughs> I don't do a whole lot with uh, the tweeter. Um, so how do you think that our family's relationships with technology specifically is, are, is going to be affected by these kind of, the, the recent developments? I think it could become a virtual escape more and more. Uh, even more than it is. Uh, that's definitely one aspect of it. You know, uh, I, I think it's funny because, like, there's so much more family time that's being had, but I, I know of situations, and I know I myself have fallen into this, where, you know, you're together, but you're on your phone so you can connect to the people that, you're, that you really want to be with. Uh, and I could see a situation where that becomes more and more the norm. Like, that's just expected. Family time is just, you know, be on your phone time. Uh, that uh, I, I mean, I don't know that it could be much more than it is in, honestly, a lot of teenagers' lives. But uh, the... Uh, uh, just because it's not possible, uh, meaning uh, I think also there aren't enough hours in the day. <laughs> yeah, so I think many are also learning in that way that to be kind of separate together, you know. And I think that's not the best mm -hmm. thing, you know. That you know we have to be together, but it almost like we're having our own separate experience together. And I think that could be uh, a very unhealthy thing that happens to families and technology during this time. It's funny, or not funny, but in a lot of ways, that's church has become that. We're, we're all separate together here. We're just listening to the sermon, and then now you got the digital version of it, and we're all just sort of watching the sermon. And even if you do interact, I mean, it's just it's very superficial. Um, I, yeah, I'm concerned that there will be even more addiction to media. Um, I read an article, I think within the last week or so, where a, a fellow said that he, someone in the know told him that that uh, some pornography website was actually offering free subscriptions during this. You know, all these places are offering free mm -hmm. things. And so I'm sure there has been a ride. Whether or not people are giving subscriptions, you don't have to pay to find a lot of that. Um, and so I'm, you know, concerned that there's a big uptick in that. Um, and that that is troubling. Um, and I think that, yes, that you're right on that the the to, you know separate together uh, could become even worse and you know I, I saw something the other day that was just warning against becoming a divorce statistic during this because when you're confined and you have all this extra time together it it highlights weaknesses that you had before but now they're just the lights on them having relational issues whether it's with their kids or with their spouse then it's easier to just go bury yourself in some digital passive activity than have to deal with your relationship. And so I, I think there could be – the outcome could be you know, relational problems or stunted relational growth. Um, we had a meeting uh, the other day in our church building, and our staff was talking about the many, many faceted uh, aspects of trying to meet together again. And – our student pastor James said to me because he's married but has no children, and he just moved to the area. Like he moved like a week or two before the shutdown, and so he's just to really get a big disadvantage. But he said, "I feel like I'm becoming more socially awkward now because I'm not talking to people." And uh, you know, I think there's going to be some more of that kind of thing. Um, so, how do you how about for churches, Tony? Like, 
how what's our relationship with technology uh, going to be as this goes forward? I mean, we mentioned some things earlier. Anything else that, that comes to mind? I think we could connect to our missionaries more naturally, which I think that will be one awesome thing for this. You know, you have a missionary, you know, that would it would not even require missing a service, especially with time zone stuff. Uh, you'll be able yeah. to stream in a missionary, uh, you know, just to, to kind of pray over them. Uh, and, and which, you know, I don't think that that should replace a sermon in person. I think sermon needs to always be in person in that way. But that doesn't mean that you can't have a time where you just get, you know, a quick update from somebody through Zoom. Uh, and I think those kind of cool things could be happening. Uh, I think we will also see uh, the word, though, on the flip side is being non-incarnate. Uh, and I think I've actually been in conversations with uh, Christians that have most of the same views as us that were suggesting, you know, maybe this is going to be a lesson on, you know, how pastors will need to should now uh, that kind of digitize all of their sermons uh, so that, you know, when they're out, they don't even have to find a uh, sub. So they just throw themselves up or just stream themselves uh, from somewhere else. And so I think we'll see the word that the sermon as just being something uh, that is like, uh, uh, like a professional production rather than an incarnate work of the spirit. Uh, and so I think it will probably dramatically change uh, our perception as a preaching uh, and our, and our, how we even relate to it. So, but I think it will also allow us to better to minister to people where they are. Uh, so, you know, the reality is that a lot of young people spend a ton of time in social media. Uh, and they did before this and they will after this. And maybe it's not the worst thing in the world that some churches are learning how to get biblical truth out to people on Instagram now in a way that they weren't before. That's a good point. I like that. And I, having known you for a long time, I appreciate how you have worked to try to see uh, potential things or even point out encouraging things uh, because my, my outlook has been more uh, pessimistic on this. So thank you, Tony, for just reminding me that God is in control. God loves his church more than than we do or anybody does, and that he will work good through this. Because, um, yeah, there, there are some churches that, that were probably already doing a good job at that very where, and then others where they were not engaging. And we can convey spiritual truth virtually. It, I don't think anybody's arguing that you can. I mean, there's probably some fringe folks, but um, but like you said too, the word became flesh, and so the, the sermon isn't like when the preacher knows the people in the room and they know him, and that that's a different thing than listening to a recording of one. And so um, it, it could help to to reach out to people who are already on a screen a lot. And uh, I was somebody sent me an article about what we can learn from Netflix and just how that's shaping the culture and just the whole streaming platform stuff and uh, that there is a, a niche for binge watching. And so if you provide a lot of good content, it can be a way that the spirit works, but we have to move people past just consuming uh, biblical material and going, okay, now I, I'm more educated on this, but to actually you know loving other people because you, you can't really follow Jesus without the one and others. And, and so you, you have to be enfleshed. All right. So as we kind of bring things to a close, how can we try to redeem the time or redeem the season of life that uh, even though we're forced to sort of live against what's good for us, um, but that's just where we are. Uh, how can we 
do what's good and, and make the most of it. Oh, that's as families, churches, whatever. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so I think first start adding things uh, long term in place of commitments that may have been less important. So you know, you brought up that like we don't have like a ton, and part of it's the age of our children. Uh, but you know, a lot there's so much busyness that has gone away from sports or whatever it is. Uh, and maybe you can choose to add family worship to your routine, add times of intentional discipleship uh, that you wouldn't have had time for. And now, you know, going forward, maybe you make decisions. Maybe you start building your life and realizing, hey, this is a whole lot better for me than overwhelming our family schedule uh, with things that are that shouldn't be our priorities at all times. So, uh but and I think also get excited for the things uh, that you took for granted. And, and one of those things even is gathering together with all Christians. It's hard, and we should be sad that we can't. But we also, I think we can build an anticipation for worship services that sometimes we just are like, well, whatever, we have to go to church today, you know. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I think... Uh, the Bible's biblical teaching on idolatry, which we've talked about before, is often our idols are revealed uh, when something is taken away from us. Uh, and so look for those idols that are in your heart that are becoming apparent so that you can fight them. That's good counsel. That is good. I, I like that. I mean, for most people, this has reoriented their schedule and uh, they can look at their priorities. And so don't waste that. Like, Take advantage of it for yourself, for your marriage, for your uh, relationship with your, your just your family, your children, and um, yeah, I mean it, it's good for regularly looking at those things anyway. But pro- a lot of people don't, and so and I mean all of us can go on autopilot, and so make the most of it. Well, Tony, thanks for thinking with me about this. This is something I've just kind of been stewing on a little bit. Thanks, and I hope this was helpful for those who are bunkered up in their house. So God bless. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.